Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. Tonight the topic is A Guy's Guy's Guide to Spiritual Seeking, Modern Man's Search for Meaning. And our guest tonight is Robert Manny. We're going to bring Robert on in just a minute, but I want to just touch on the the whole man, masculine, um, to be a man kind of idea, persona, if you will, in this day and age. Certainly, there's been so much upheaval in our in our society in the in the storyline, perhaps that we're all observing as humanity evolves, if you will, if I can say that. But but just the notion of the man, the everyday man. I've uh, I've worked with uh, men's programs um, many times, and I'm quite um, passionate and and excited and compassionate about the 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 man's role in in society. There's so many messages we get from social media, from mainstream media. And some of it can really challenge the idea or notion of who we are. Um, speaking of the of of men, um, the notion of what it means to be a man. What are the what are the attributes that are uh, perhaps valued or honored, and what attributes are seen as the shadow or perhaps. Um, um, the less favorable side of of the masculine persona. So I I have to tell you I'm just I'm delighted and excited for this episode tonight. Um and and I just I, I'm I'm so excited for the potential if you will of of what the the healthy man can be and and uh where it can take us. I think it's um, without further ado, we should just jump into the episode because I think Robert brings a lot to this conversation. Robert is an author, podcast, uh, podcaster, and blogger, and he's the host of the Guys Guys radio show. He has been featured on ABC Radio's Men's Life, and he's a contributor to Huffington Post, Good Men Project, Thought Catalog, Cupid's Pulse, Gal Time, and he's also written a novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which has been praised as men's successor to Sex and the City. And he's looking at developing that into two feature-length adapted screenplays, a scripted television series, and a series of non-scripted Guy's Guy show concepts. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Robert, I'd like to welcome you to the show tonight. Well, thank you so much, Les, and thank you everybody out there for listening. Hope we can have a hey. great conversation. So you wrote a novel, The Guy's Guide 
guys guys guide to love what what made you do, um what motivated you to do that well uh my background less is uh, in advertising and marketing many years in new york city and i I just uh, I had been noticing that there was a growing chasm uh, of communication between men and women and just everybody going in their kind of opposite directions and a lack of communication. So I I was inspired by actually Sex in the City. And I said, well, what if we did this from the male perspective and did it the way guys roll? So it's not for guys sitting around sipping cosmopolitans talking about their girlfriends. It's is really about two guys in advertising. I set it up in the world that I knew, um, competing for love, sex, power, and money in, in New York City. And it gives kind of a peek under the tent uh, into the world of men for women to learn about. And it also uh, projects uh, how men really are to, to, for guys. And I, a lot of men who've read the book said, you know what, that's us. You captured us. And a lot of women said, you know what, guys aren't so bad after all. So it's a fun story. It's a it's a romantic comedy, but it has a uh, kind of a spiritual undertow in it, and that's taken me in a in a direction that I just keep following now. What kind of a response have you gotten from the book from men and from women? Well, uh, like I mentioned, uh, the women um, have a lot of fun with the book because they like romantic comedies and they're curious about. Women, God bless them, they're very curious about men. They haven't given up on us, thankfully. And uh, guys really uh, rarely have a book uh, that, that, that is set in this type of uh, environment where it's New York City, it's advertising, kind of in the, you know, if it would be like an East Coast version of Entourage, um, and they can connect with it because a lot of men, uh, they don't read fiction. They'll read uh, historical stuff. They'll read political stuff. Uh, biographies, autobiographies, and women will read more of the fiction. Uh, but in this case, I wanted to write a book where, uh, from the heart where men could relate to it and women could get a new perspective, a fresh perspective on men, which is not about the way they hope that men are, but about the way men really are. And sure. I like to say, Les, that this is a time... This has never been a better time to be a man, despite all the things going on now, despite the fact that I think since I writ wrote the book and got it published, that I think the chasm in communication is even wider between men and women. I still think that um, this is the best time ever to be a man. Um, if you're a good guy, if you're a guy's guy, and the way I like to define guy's guy is a uh, casual, confident, uh, unassuming strength, seductive integrity, emotional intelligence, timeless style, and also a lot of fun. If you're that type of guy, if you're an authentic, a real man in the best possible way, there's never been a better time to be a man because women can stand on their own two feet. They can be right alongside us. They'll take a lot of the burden off, and we can be freer. This is a time now that's never been a better time for men to be whoever they want to be. Yet it's also never been less clear who men really are. So it's a fantastic time to be alive, particularly if you're a guy. And I think, you know, when you have women less, they've been on a straight trajectory to finally getting some type of acknowledgement and recognition for all the wonderful things they've done. And let's, let's agree that, you know, the future is going to be women. Men have run the world uh, for, for centuries. Uh, very early on, if you study, you know, history, women and mythology, women were, you know, leading the way. Then men took over, and now I think it's going to be women again. And that's not a bad thing because 
there's plenty of things for men and plenty, plenty of room for men to do a lot. But uh, men, I think, right now are at a point where they're confused about what their role is. And uh, so if you're a guy's guy, you're a smart guy, you're a good guy, and you're an authentic guy, you don't have to worry about any of that. Any of that. Do your thing. Be a gentleman. Be a real man. And things will work out just fine because there's so many guys out there who are, who are lost and carrying a burden of pain with them. And uh, it doesn't really have to be that way. I know people have problems. I acknowledge that. But also... You know, we define and create our own lives and you can work your way through a lot of experiences and come out the other side uh, a lot stronger, a lot better. And I've done that myself. So I come from a place of authenticity. I'd be happy to get into some of that stuff. But uh, uh, my point is, there's never been a better time to be alive if you're a man than right now. I like that. And I agree with that. This is a very, very powerful time to be alive and and. uh you know, you mentioned that you wrote the book from your uh, advertising background. Well, in the advertising arena, did some of the disparity or disconnect between the masculine and the feminine show up as you approached um, the copy you were writing and whatnot to to advertise to men and women? Well, I think the, the world of advertising and the business of advertising, I'd have to say it's a... It's, uh, it's ahead of the curve compared to the rest of society in terms of men and women kind of being on the same page and getting equal treatment. Sure, there's an old boys clubs club still in advertising, and a lot of the people who run the businesses have been men, and there's been a lot of bad behavior, just as there have been in other media businesses and other creative businesses. But uh, more and more, women are becoming uh, CEOs of agencies, are becoming top-level clients. Uh, so there's less disparity between... Uh, the men and women in power, you have a lot of guys now working at the agencies and then the women are the clients. And that wasn't the, the case 20, 25 years ago. Um, so I think it's a fairly progressive industry. But the reason I chose it for the backdrop for the book, because it's a fast pace. It's an it's an image industry. There's an illusion, illusion, illusory aspect of it. Uh, and a, a, that's a, that's like a it's a it's a blue sky type of world. And people think it's a very glamorous business. And nowadays, it is not a glamorous business because it is very data-driven. And you can see by some of the creative product that you see out there that it's more and more promotionally driven and uh, everything's built to sell uh, versus entertain. But there's a fine line where you have to do both. So it's a fascinating business. It's a lot of really smart people in it. You don't really make a physical project. You're not selling a widget or a can of spaghetti. What you're doing is you're selling ideas. So uh, you get a lot of very interesting people in the business. So I thought that would be a nice backdrop to the story. And being somebody who comes from that industry, I could serve it up in a modern way. There's been every about every 10 years or so, there's some type of TV show or movie about advertising, most recently Mad Men. But my book's very different than Mad Men and that Mad Men is about the past. And it's really a story about America, where the guy's guy's guide to love is really about right now. Right. I like that. Well, you were talking about the the image, if you will, the advertising image, and uh, a, a lot of times men will will look around for clues, look around for how they fit in. I mean, the, the, they'll watch, if you will, society and the and the um, what's valued and what is deemed important. 
how does how does a man negotiate uh, kind of an external expectation of image that might be portrayed in the media, and and then the flip side of that, the internal sense of self, the internal sense of who who am I when I'm being authentic to myself? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, with the with media, uh, basically most advertising and most media is based on. Uh, inspiring you, uh, motivating you to buy things you really don't need. One br- and then it's one brand versus the next because there's so much parity. And with all the consolidations in business and the mergers over the years, you know, you, what bank do you want? The blue bank, the, uh, the green bank, the red bank, uh, they're, they're all offering the same deal. Same thing with, uh, you know, do you want Fios or do you want Spectrum? And the, the deals aren't that different. So, I would just put all of that aside and say the real differentiator uh, for men is how they behave, their sense of self-esteem, uh, their comfort in their own skin, and their being authentic and not trying to be uh, somebody that they aren't. Well, if if they go to be authentic and they have this uh, authenticity that resonates with them, and yet perhaps none of their uh, of the men they interact in day to day when they go to work when they when they go to other activities maybe their authenticity is unique to them and they don't get any hits that they're on the right track if you will because they might not necessarily um be acknowledged for um some of their uh, perhaps quirky authenticity i mean how do you how do you measure yourself to to know that you're not deceiving yourself when you say, well, this is what I want to do. And, and I mean, how do you, how do you quantify something as being a, an authentic desire of yourself? Well, um, I don't, I think this, this first step is not to compare yourself to other people or societal norms. Of course, yeah, you're going to have to have a job. You're going to have to bring in some money and the career is important. But those are things that are based on history and uh, the way that we have put value into things and defined things. And also with your colleagues and everything, you, you know, you're going to have to deal with a lot of people. But you can still have your core values intact. Uh, I know from my career in business, what, I, what made me stand out in advertising was people knew that I had my very first priority was always the brand selling the product, making sure we did a good job for the client. We had great creative and also compelling creative, interesting creative that would move the needle uh, and always have the best interests of the uh, interests of the client in mind and, and be honest, be honest with each other, uh, be respectful and do the best job we can. Uh, beyond that, you know, you're going to, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, and you're going to deal with some people like anywhere else. You're going to have some good, nice people, and you're going to have some people who spend more time trying to manipulate and scheme than they do working. And that's just the way it is in this world. So you can't lower yourself. If you operate uh, in an uh, octave, if you will, where your frequency is uh, high enough, where you're connecting yourself to your divine self, um, then the fear-based behavior is not going to affect you as much. In fact, if you operate at a high level, you should be able to extend that out to the people you come in contact with. So that doesn't sound like a businessy type of uh, uh, schematic, if you will, but it's true. It works across whether it's business, whether it's personal relationships, whether it's friendships. 
you know, you just have to do what you have to follow your path. Number one, and you're going to win some new friends. You're going to lose some old friends and the same thing in business. You're going to attract some business to you and you're going to, you're going to have some other businesses turn away. You have to decide what's most important to you. Of course, you want to put food on the table and take care of your family, but you have to determine what your values are and what you are willing to do to stand up for those values. I like that. So you're, I mean, you're talking about raising your frequency or vibration to, I, I think you said divine um, level or something to that sort. I mean, how do, how do I even go about m- measuring my frequency or, or how can I tell where I am with my uh, frequency and, and uh, what would I do to do something about that? Well, I think it's a, it's a, it's a process like anything else. Uh, let, let me take a moment, if I might, and just let you know what happened with my journey. Because, you know, I started out, I was in advertising. It's a hard-charging, super competitive business, a lot of backstabbing and stuff in it. But again, you can do a lot of great work if you stick with your values and do the right thing. Things can work out. I came in, the last agency I worked at, I came in as a consultant. I became president within two years because I had the best interests. I put the politics aside. I refused to acknowledge them, and I just did the best job for the people at the agency and also for the clients. As a result, we won businesses, and I was rewarded. So that was great, and that was a microcosm uh, and a reflection of how I, I try to live my life. From there, after uh, well, various things happened with the agency and ended up where it, it's no longer. Uh, I got out of that and I looked around for other opportunities, and then I said, you know what? I think I'm going in a different direction. I got married. Uh, at the end of my career in advertising, then I ha- and as, as an older guy, so I learned something there. In my early 50s, got married. I had a child in my 50s, uh, learned that at a later stage, and then I got sick. Uh, I got a surprise uh, freak sickness, and I had to get two robotic, I had a kidney stone, and I had to get two robotic surgeries, and I didn't know what was going to happen. It was all surprise to me, and I had a one-year-old child. I wasn't working a career uh, full-time job. And it made me reassess everything. And throughout this process, I had been, I had been from writing the book, getting it out there, and always being somebody who was seeking along the way. I didn't just come up with this, Les. I, I was a, uh, I'm a Reiki master teacher. I had studied Reiki along the way while I was, had my business career. And anybody can find the time to do these other things if they, if they want to. If they really want to, you can find the time. I, I became a marathoner. In my spare time, I studied hypnosis and became an advanced clinical master hypnotist. And so I was on a path to well-being uh, and also uh, studying my diet, what I ate, what worked for me, what didn't. And, uh, and then I got sick and it was a big surprise. And then I realized that I, I think part of my career in advertising is what made me sick. I had a couple of miracles happen <clears throat> uh, when I was sick that helped get me better. And that was now it's all in the past. Uh, because of that, I continued on my path with I used the novel as a stepping off point. And uh, the main character in the book, he writes a column about men for women. The name of the column is The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. I started writing a blog about men for women and on my website, robertmanny.com. And the, the blog's called On Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Happiness. And I realized, like, wow. Life is now imitating art. Maybe I'm onto something here. And so after a while, I wrote so many blog posts about relationships. Um, I decided, well, let's 
let's do a radio podcast about relationships. So we started Guys Guys Radio. And then after a while, I had so many relationship experts on. I wrote so many blogs about relationships. Of course, I got picked up and I got my blog out there syndicated. And I started expanding, expanding the purview because my world was changing. You know, I wasn't dating anymore. I was married. I had a son. I just went through a, uh, an illness that could have killed me. And I recovered. I, I, I'm not going to say I beat something, but I, I loved it. And, uh, and, it, and it left me. And, and I decided, you know what? Listening to a lot of guys that are out there and a lot of people, they're seeking. People want more. They're under a lot of pressure. They want more in life. And I thought, well, maybe I can be somebody who can put information out there. My own information from my own experience which is pretty varied, as well as bringing guests on to Guys Guys Radio from different fields, spiritual people, metaphysical people, authors, fantasy sports experts, comedians, whatever, bring different people on. First it was once a week, then it was twice a week. Now we do two shows a week and just put out a smorgasbord of information and entertainment and things for people to consider to help them make choices and live the best life they can. Because I talk to so many guys and they'll say like, well, what do you do? What do you, what do you put in your smoothie? Or, you know, what do you do to, what's your diet? And I'm like, wow, people are asking questions and, you know, I'll point out a book or uh, I'll give them a smoothie recipe or something because I've done this stuff trial and error. And then I've written about it. And so people are starting to take over time. They start to say, Hey, you know, he's onto something because, he put himself through all of this. Ayurvedic medicine as part of my treatment after I healed from robotic surgery. I went through an Ayurvedic uh, protocol, which is uh, non-traditional. Uh, really, it's traditional, but it's Eastern version of uh, medicine. It's more preventative than Western, which is more advanced technologically. And I, think I learned that, well, you can blend them both. Because in Western medicine, you get sick and they fix you and give you drugs. And in Eastern medicine, they teach you how to take care of yourself so you don't get sick. And really, in today's day and age, we have to take care of ourselves fiscally as well as holistically. And, uh, but it can be done. And it's fascinating, and it's really part of our journey. You can just work. I have friends. They work their job. They watch football. They drink beer. They do their cookouts. And, th- you know, they're having a good time, and they count their money. And then eventually, it's like they're 60. And then it's like, now what? And right. I think a lot of guys who are hitting that age are saying, is that all there is? What else is there? Well, well, you know what? There's a lot more. There's a lot more if you invest your passion and your time into learning and exposing yourself to new things. There's a lot more and you can live a really wonderful life for a long, long time if you learn how to take care of yourself and nurture your mind, your body and your spirit. I like that. You know, um, the, there's there's kind of a place where we can get stuck, uh, perhaps on the fence, if you will, where we're observing our life. You're talking about guys that were, you know, watching football, having cookouts, whatnot, and boom, they're 60, and they're, and they're looking at their life. They're observing their life, and they're wondering, right. well, what's next? What What's what's up? And, and I have... I have found that um, when when you have motion, when you have flow, that you change. And when I say motion or flow, what I mean is 
you you don't look outside yourself you look inside yourself about things that would would genuinely get you excited for myself i'm i'm in my late 50s and i recently bought myself a drum kit so i've been playing the drums and i'm by no means good at playing the drums but that doesn't matter because I asked myself, would I enjoy that? And I got a yes. And and so I went ahead and got a drum kit. And and I tell you what, I my left brain and my right brain weren't nowhere near in the same time zone <laughs> yep. when it came time to have some coordination in my body. And, and the point I'm getting at here is um, to when we tap into our own inspiration, our own inner inspiration, and then we take action, and that's a very, very important step because we can sit and stare till the cows come home. But when we get that that exciting impulse inside of us and then we take action, we grow. And when we grow, we become a different person. And and I think I think it's uh, has a sense of uh, satisfaction and fulfillment for our heart and our soul. Whereas if we just stay in our heads and analyze the crap out of everything, our heart and our souls kind of twiddle in their thumbs because there's no opportunity for growth. So I really like what you were, uh, what you've been saying. So you you talked about going through. Uh, a medical crisis, and then you talked about Ayurvedic and <clears throat> Reiki. Um, these aren't really common ma- um, masculine uh, tools, if you will, for transformation. Um, what would what would be a few um, suggestions that you could give men as far as um, perhaps not so mainstream? ideas as far as where they can look to find tools to help them evolve who they are? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, I think uh, the first place to look is inside. You have to uh, take a step back um, and find some time to uh, devote to yourself and what's inside. You know, it's always great to go out, go out for a run or whatever, but here's what's happening. What I see is with people in my generation, I see boomers, they, they continue to eat, drink, and behave the exact same way they did when they were in college. And what happens is you get fat and bald, and then you have hip replacements and heart problems. And, you know, things have changed. Also, you have the food supply is different. You know, the food supply is very different than when we were kids. Um, the, we have so much radiation out there, so much heavy metals, uh, the, uh, you know, so much with the uh, Wi-Fi. All this stuff that's happening, even, you know, the fish and everything that we eat, the eating meat. So I say the first thing, let me give you, let me take a step back. The first thing I think guys need to do is take a look inside. Do something like meditate. Learn how to meditate, do yoga, something, or, or run, or some type of physical exercise. Find time for it, 20, 30 minutes a day, every day. And then slowly build on it. And find the things that work for you. You, you have bad knees, you can't run anymore, maybe you like the elliptical. Do something, to walk and take an, instead of taking the escalators. I've been in New York City for about 30 years, and I walk and have walked everywhere. It's the best way I've learned. It's a microcosm for life. The way I learned the city was by walking, not by taking taxis, not by taking the bus, walking. 
and uh, you discover everything. It's the same thing in life. Get out there, and that, that's how you get exposed to things, that you, how you learn things. So number one, look inside. If you can learn how to, if you can meditate for 20 minutes a day, if you can do yoga for 20 minutes a day, if you can do some type of exercise for 20 minutes a day, and, and then start there. The other thing would be first thing in the morning, think about what you're grateful for. Start to do some mantras also. Align yourself with your true self. Get in alignment. Same thing when you go to bed at night. Align yourself. Be thankful. Go through the day. What are you thankful for? What do you do better? Be, show gratitude. Determine, do you believe in anything beyond yourself? Do you believe in the you know, universal energy? Who are you? What are you? Do you acknowledge the divinity in every person and every creature on the planet? If you, can, if you can do that, if you can acknowledge, acknowledge the divinity in everything, you're way ahead of the game because that, that will help you raise your frequency. And then the next, that's number one. All that stuff is number one. Number two is look at your diet. What are you eating? What do you need to eat? What do you don't need to eat? I, I put together a program. I've done so many different diets, tried intermittent fasting, the uh, juice cleanse, master cleanse. I gave up meat 10 years ago. Um, I eat fish still, but I put myself through a diet program. I built one for myself this year. I call it the process elimination diet. I'm writing a book on it right now. Basically, I've eliminated one thing from my diet uh, every week this year. So I'm, I'm on 46 weeks now and I've, and, and I already don't eat meat, so I couldn't eliminate that. But I started with alcohol. I haven't had a touch of it. I like a glass of wine. I like a good tequila. And I haven't had any this entire year, 46 weeks. And every week I gave up something else. And I learned so much. I can't wait to finish this book because I, I, I learned that people crave sugar. When I stopped with the alcohol, I wanted chocolate. Then I wanted ice cream. Then when I gave up ice cream, I wanted candy. When I gave up candy, I wanted pie. I gave up pie, I wanted cake. Eventually, I eliminated all of those sugar-based items, and it was keeping me down. Sugar is a killer. You know, it tastes good, but you got to get you got to. The best way to get your diet cleaned up is, I would say, don't eat meat unless you really have to, because there's no reason you don't need meat for protein. Number two. Uh, it's bad for the environment and it's bad for the animals and you really don't, and it's bad for you ultimately. Number two is uh, eliminate sugar from your diet as much as possible. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, hydrate yourself. 80% of Americans uh, suffer from dehydration. You see old people, why are they all wrinkled and old and curled up? It's dehydration. So number two is, uh, Food and beverage. Make decisions. It's always about less. I choose to eat this or that at every meal. You have a choice. You're going to eat this or you're going to eat that. We also we eat far more than we need to eat. Eating is like a hobby, a competitive sport here in America. You don't need to eat these giant portions of everything. You have to be careful because uh, you know you have to look for organic now because just the other stuff is sprayed. You've got uh, all types of bad stuff going on, and uh, you have to be really careful about what you ingest because just just look at what's happening with the onset and the growth of Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, all that stuff, and they say most of it begins in the gut. So you have to be really careful about what you eat. The third thing is you've got to uh, 
you've, you've got to start to, uh, you got to get rest and you have to learn how to do some things that are going to relax yourself and nurture your mind, whether it's reading, writing, uh, singing, like you're playing the drums, have some type of hobby that's outside the box for what you do every day. And I think if you start with those three things, you're, you're making three really big steps in terms of uh, dimensionalizing how you live. Well, I like that. And when I listen to you describe these things, you're talking about new steps, new directions. Yeah, and, and so often we can kind of get into a, a habitual pattern of choices and a habitual pattern of attitudes Exactly. And then we want our lives to change. And if we don't change those old patterns, it's very unlikely we're going to have a different outcome. So so now that you've looked at your diet and, and, and you've laid out uh, these three steps, compare yourself today from the person you were before you started this journey. Well, I think my whole life has been part of this journey because I've always been had a curiosity about the spiritual side of things. I was reading Carlos Castaneda books when I was 12 years old. I, you know, stumbled, literally stumbled upon Reiki while I was in the middle of my business career. Um, I was, uh, I hurt my calf when I was training for a marathon and I was walking by a street fair and somebody was doing uh, Reiki to, to somebody and I watched and I'm like, that's interesting. And they did it to my calf and my calf loosened up and I'm like, wow, I want to learn about that. And I also want to do something to give back. And I don't really, I'm not the type, I don't want to go work in a soup kitchen, but I figured, well, if I could learn this, I could do this for other people. And the great thing about Reiki is I, you can also do it to yourself. And uh, it's one of those things that actually helps you also raise your frequency. Um, So, you know, these things just, you have to keep your eyes open for, when they come around, when I had the Reiki done to my uh, calf at the street fair, I filled out a little card for, for a, uh, to be on the mailing list. And then six months later, less, and this is synchronicity. I, one day I came home from work and I was thinking about, I wonder what ever happened with that. And uh, a week later, sure enough, in the mail, I got an invitation to uh, take a Reiki class, Reiki one training. And I signed up for it. And then I followed that for the next 10 years I took 10 years to become a Reiki master teacher and uh, I want to spread it out because that's the way you should really learn how to do something like that is you don't just jam it all in at once. And then after that, I, I started hypnosis and I, uh, you know, even though I was in business, this other part of me um, was always calling me. And the same thing with, I wrote the novel yet. The novels brought me into this area of metaphysics and wellness where I've had all these wonderful guests on my radio podcast. I started like interviewing dating experts. And next thing you know, I have Paul Selig channeling on my show and I'm like, wow. And that all started because I walked into a bookstore. My wife was at a, uh, I was with my wife and she was buying some gemstones in New York city. And I saw this book staring at me said, I am the word Paul Selig. And I took it off the shelf and I started looking at it and I'm like, this is interesting. I took it home. I read it once. I didn't quite get it. I read it a second time. I got it more. I read it a third time and it sunk in. And then I took a couple of seminars, workshops with Paul. And then I was like, wow, I get it. And that just took me to the next level. And I just kept staying open-minded, learning from my guests, listening to people. And you start attracting like-minded people. Some of my friends, I found myself, well, I love them for who they are. 
And I'm not going to try to change them. You don't try to change people, but you can offer up information if you're asked. And I figured, well, that's how I'm going to live my life. I'll meet new people, even if I may not stay quite as close with the same friends. Uh, I'm expanding who I am. And uh, I feel much better as a result of it. My life is so much more fulfilling now than it's ever been, even though I'm not the corporate titan I was five years ago. Right. The uh, Well, I like what you're saying. And when you talk about, I, I want to go back to, to Reiki and, and the idea of, of doing Reiki on yourself or doing Reiki on others. So you talked about your calf being sore in that first day you were per, perhaps introduced to Reiki. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's so uh, perhaps non-traditional masculine to think in that realm. Yet um, you turned around and took 10 years of your life to, to learn about it. Um, what's, and, and the idea that uh, Reiki is working with energy. Right. What is it about me, the, the average American male, if I'm the listener, if, if, I'm, the, if I'm a man that, uh, that I've gone through my life, and there's this thing called energy work, how can energy work um, affect me? And, and what kind of uh, um, symptoms or struggles can Reiki help me with? I mean, kind of give us an a introductory view of, of the notion of energy work. Okay. Well, energy work, can, you know, there's lots of different types of energy work. It can be just exercise. It could be yoga. It could be, uh, you know, a keto which is a martial art that uses the other person's energy against them. Um, but for me, it was uh, Reiki. Basically, Reiki, um, uh, you are given attunements. There was a Japanese guy. His name was Asui. He discovered this long-lost healing art that started in India called Reiki. It was lost for centuries. Apparently, this guy's name is Dr. Asui. He was meditating on a mountaintop in Japan, and he, the whole Reiki attunement came to him, and he spent the rest of his life uh, teaching and attuning other people. Most of the people who practice Reiki now around the world, and it's growing and growing and growing. In fact, many nurses in hospitals now um, uh, are, are, are attuned for Reiki. And in fact, when I was in a hospital, I had people give me Reiki. I was part, it was part of the protocol. If you ask for it, you'll get it. And they had somebody came and give me Reiki post-operative. Um, but basically what it does is uh, you are attuned to intend energy universal energy through your crown chakra and out your hands. And uh, when you lay your hands on another person or put your hands very close by and you use a series of symbols that you visualize, you will um, help dislodge any blockages that the other person has in their energy meridians. So think of it this way, Les. It would be like you have a stream of water flowing and there's some rocks, some pebbles in the way. Well, when you do the Reiki, to the stream, the stream will speed up, if you will, and push those blockages, those rocks out of the way, and the water will flow in a more uh, consistent way. And uh, so I've worked on a lot of people, and the great thing, as I mentioned, you can give yourself a Reiki treatment, you get the exact same uh, benefits as if somebody gave it to you. Now, like if you no massage, you might be able to work on your calf a little bit, but you can't give yourself a full body massage. But with Reiki, you can give yourself a self Reiki session. In fact, it is encouraged because the more you use your gift, 
the stronger it gets. And uh, so it's just working with energy. Uh, working with energy could be writing your journal. It could be playing the violin. It's, there's, everything is energy. So it's not, to me, it's not a feminine thing to be working with energy. It's a very masculine thing. You look at Mick Jagger out there, the guy's 75 years ago, years old. <laughs> he's, he's got plenty. He's doing energy work. Believe me, he is channeling when he's singing. A guy like Michael Jackson, he was channeling when he was singing. Elvis, the Beatles, they were just like pulling it all in from the universe, the great writers, the great creators. So there's nothing... The great explorers, the great leaders, George Washington, these are special people. They were all doing some type of energy work in how they got their jobs done and how they affected mankind. So, um, you know, Reiki's just one way. And uh, it, was a, it was a good uh, guidepost for me. I'll, I'll give you another way that's very easy. There's a guy who wrote a book. His name is Dan Millman. He wrote the book, The Peaceful Warrior. Uh, he has a secondary book, um, and it's a, called... Uh, 12 Steps uh, to Spiritual Enfoldment, I believe. And uh, within it is a section, and you can get this online. It's called the Peaceful Warrior Workout. There's 15 movements. It takes you about 10 minutes to do this workout. And you do it every day, so it becomes a habit. You have to do something for about three weeks for a month to become a habit. I've done this for the last nine months, and I've upped the repetitions on everything to like triple what you're supposed to do. But now... My energy level, my chi, my whole creative output, I've never felt better in my entire life. My balance, my coordination, uh, everything's better. And I attribute it to, to doing meditation, to writing, to uh, playing with my son, to being a better listener with my wife, and also doing this Peaceful Warrior workout each and every day, whether I do another workout, whether I run or don't run or whatever, as long as I get that four-minute workout in, uh, it makes a huge difference. So there's lots. The point is less. There's lots of different ways to work with energy, and it's to me, it's the most masculine thing you can do. Well, you're you're a testament to energy work yourself because you're very vibrant. You're very passionate. You're engaged. Uh, you take action. I mean, um, and and that. That draws uh, this idea, this sense of balance in your life um, to go from being still in meditation to going to be active, writing a book or playing with your son or or uh, uh, pursuing new possibilities. So um, I, I like the idea of flipping things over, to look at the polar opposite of of what might be the... Uh, symptom or conundrum when uh, when we look at the past there's this idea of uh, perhaps testosterone overdose where the the masculine derived society has conjured up the war machine conjured up you know um, financial crisis conjured up um, uh, the various things her society has struggled with under the, uh, the premise of this um, uh, unhealthy masculine uh, persona, if you will. So if we, if we look at the past and, and the, the dogma or the stigma of the masculine that might have been the, the culprit or the problem, 
and and I I know the the feminine or the woman awakening is a very very prominent role, but I'm talking just about the masculine paradigm. If we were to take that shadow side and we flip it over and we just daydream this new paradigm of what a healthy masculine past would look like. I mean, I sit here and I listen to you talk and you're very vibrant and you're very curious and you're very motivated and you're talking about how you're pursuing these different modalities to explore who you are and and kind of figure out your health, figure out your passion, figure out your purpose. I mean, it it, it draws a very uh, stark uh, difference from the shadow side of the masculine. So uh, how would you describe uh, a healthy masculine as far as the societal role where where the prominent majority of men are, are like you, vibrant, energetic, passionate, curious. I mean, how would you describe that? Well, I think uh, our society is fear-driven, and, uh, and I think it's uh, on purpose, and, uh, uh, and it's sad. And you see the divisiveness with politics today, and I don't want to get into that. I'm sure you don't either, but there's a lot of fear-mongering going on from, from both sides of the fence. And uh, you ask yourself, are they, is anything, are they that different anyhow? So I think the biggest thing, uh, to be a real man, you want to choose love. Come from things from a position of love versus from a position of fear. If you can begin to attempt, at least, to every decision you make, come at it from, you have your choice. Like I said with the diet, you eat this, are you going to eat this, or are you going to eat that? You're going to drink this, or are you going to drink that? You're going to make a choice. Well, when it comes to making the big choices in your life, and even everyday choices, you're going to come at it from a position of love. You're going to come at it from a position of fear. If you can start to be mindful about that, you're way ahead of the game. And if before you even do that, you can at least recognize the divinity that every single person, man, woman, creature on this planet, is all comes from the same divine source. That means we all have that divinity. We all have that universal consciousness. We all have that quote-unquote God within us. Then you're on the right path in my opinion. I like that. I agree. Um, Well, love, love. I'm glad we got to this topic. I love the topic. Pardon the pun. uh, uh, But what would you say the person that said, well, man, I loved before, and damn, it broke my heart. Love is, is, is risky. It can be painful. Love can be the the tempest the torment i mean how do you how do you heal your relationship to love okay that's a great question another great question Les. uh you know there's two different types of love there's universal love which is a love of mankind itself it's coming from a position of love then there's romantic love so i had what i've been for referring to up till now has mostly been about universal love um but when it comes to romantic love and the fact that a lot of people have had their hearts broken. And like I, I had mentioned to you when we were talking earlier uh, that uh, I, I, inter- I interview dating experts all the time and that more and more I hear these stories about dating as a combat sport and uh, you have to learn all these things about somebody. And I'm like, well, what happened to mystery and romance? And hi, my name is Bill. Can I buy you a drink? You know, instead of, right. you know, just, 
texting, texting and apps and, uh, you know, this like ghosting and uh, it's all like bad excuses for bad behavior use, using technology. So I, th- I think the key when it comes to romantic love is we've all had our hearts broken. But when you, you, there's two things I think I, I've learned. One is, do you really want to be with somebody who really doesn't love you the way you love them? Do you really want to be with somebody who doesn't love you the way you love them? And I think if you ask yourself that, if you have any type of self-worth, you're going to say no. So it's better to, like, why would you want to really be crazy head over heels about somebody who just doesn't feel the same about you? Ultimately, it's not going to work out. The other thing I've, I've learned, and I think it's more important than that, because that's just basically a reality check, is that uh, I was single for a really long time, single in New York City, straight guy, good job in a, in a, in a sexy business advertising. I was having a good time and I had a lot of relationships and I had a, some short relationships. I had some long term relationships and ultimately they all petered out one way or the other. And I finally asked myself, I'm like, am I doing something wrong here? And I had an epiphany. And that's why I'm saying one of the things guys need to do is kind of look inside. We have to like work with our intuition and go inside and ask our inner self like and our higher self, like what's going on here. So I said, what am I doing wrong? And I got the answer, which was you want to find somebody you have to, the right person, you have to uh, make room in your heart for somebody else besides yourself. I don't know how I got that. It was a clear ascension type of knowing. And I actually, I went home for Thanksgiving that year and I had been single so long that nobody even asked me over the holidays, hey, when are you getting married? They didn't even bother anymore. So I said to my mother, I said, Mom, I'm going to get married. And she said, oh, really? That's great. Who, who, who are you getting married to? And I'm like, I don't know, but I know I am within a year. And she's like, oh, okay, well, let's get the turkey now. So I, <laughs> sure enough, a year later, I had met. The, the person who became my wife and we were engaged uh, a year after that and we got married almost to the day a year after that and here we are uh, eight and a half eight and a half year later years later and the key for me was I made room in my heart for somebody else and as soon as I did I started attracting the right people flowing into my life because I made room for I opened my heart to loving somebody else not just worrying about myself and, uh, and then the other thing I learned, which you have to, if you're a guy, you need to be uh, circumspect when you're, you know, when you're dating. So I had gone on three dates with my wife-to-be, and I said to her, listen, I'm having such a great time together. What do I need to do to be a good boyfriend? Because I've had some good relationships, but, you know, I'm here, I'm here now. I'm single. So obviously they didn't work out. And she said, she turned to me, she put her fork down, and she said, pay attention. And I said, that's it? And she said, yes. And I've always kept that in the back of my mind because women are great at paying attention to the little things, to noticing what's going on with their guy. And men are really good at paying attention to what's going on with themselves. And once I realized that, you know, that was a light bulb over my head. And I'm like, wow, I never saw relationships the same way. Now, I'm still uh, like most guys. I have an ego. I'm self-centered. I can be selfish. Uh, I can be angry. I can be all the stuff that guys can be. But at least I was circumspect enough and self-aware enough to know, know that I was doing something wrong and that I, I was asking at least, how do, I, how do I do something right? And so 
as a way we started the conversation less, less you asked me like, what can guys do? And going inside and starting to have those conversations with yourself is always the first place to go. And it really worked out for me. I have a beautiful wife. We've been together for eight years. I have a beautiful son, uh, happy marriage and marriage is tough. It's always a challenge. There's a whole new set of challenges with that, but you know what? It's true love. And, uh, and uh, it's no slag on anybody else I've been with, but I, I, it was me. I did not have a space in my heart for the other person the way I did when I met my wife. Well, very nice. I like that. Uh, make room in your heart for the other, for the beloved to come in. I like that. It sounds, sounds so and simple. It, and all this stuff sounds so simple, but you know what? It ain't that complicated. Yeah. yeah when... Uh, when we talk about relationships or marriage, um, one thing that came to my mind was the the idea of emotions and more specifically the personal um, aspects of what emotions are. Because so often, like, sometimes I'll hear a young couple who are engaged to be married and they say, well, they make me so happy and I, I just want to bang my head against the wall in the sense that, um, to, to have our, our spouse or our lover hold our happiness or our sadness for us or right. to put our emotions in their hands and hold them accountable for how we feel. Because the idea that emotions come from inside of us, they're, they're not an outside event, they come from within us. So if one side of the relationship is having feelings, it it's not the responsibility. It's impossible, really, for anyone else on the planet to understand more fully the reason of the feeling than the person having the emotion. In, in other words, mm-hmm. my, my wife is upset. My husband is upset. Well, they are having feelings that ultimately I cannot be responsible for. Now, my, my behavior can be related to that, but feelings are an inside job. And I think a lot of times that's missed in relationships where um, one side will say, well, you, you make me feel, um, you get me upset or, you, or, or you're influencing my emotions, and they won't take ownership of their emotions. So I, I think emotions sometimes can be a, a slippery slope until you understand that they're really an inside job. And, and when you feel something, that's your own persona giving you feedback about your choices. But I don't want to go off on a tangent like I just did. Um, so before time runs out, I want to make sure the listening audience knows about you, Robert. Can you tell us about your book, your your um, radio show, your blog. I mean, give us a, okay, a sure. thorough snapshot of you. Okay. Well, first, first of all, thank you so much, Les. I really enjoy this. And this is, uh, I have to admit, this is my first show really where I'm not just talking about uh, relationships and uh, the novel. Uh, we're really talking about uh, men's issues and uh, spiritual issues and how we can live our best lives. So I'm, I'm, there's going to be many more, but I'll always I'll always cherish this as the first one. So I want to thank you for that. And I've thoroughly enjoyed our discussion and thank you audience. Um, so uh, the best way to get hold of me is my website is Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I.com. And it has links to all of my videos, my 300 plus blog posts, 
um, uh, three chapters from my book. The name of the book is The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. Again, it's a novel. You can pick it up on Amazon, any of the e-tailers. It's still in some bookstores. Um, And then I do my radio podcast, Guy's Guy's Radio. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, and TuneIn. And we, it's all free, and you can listen uh, whenever you want. There's uh, 325 podcasts to date, unless you're going to be my guest uh, coming up soon. I can't wait. And, um, and I'm working on now for a book for millennials because I think boomers can teach millennials some stuff about how to have some good things because I have a strong feeling about millennials that uh, they're being unfairly treated and judged because uh, they didn't create the world. They're being accused of, <laughs> you know, the, the situation right. that's happening now with millennials. They didn't create the situation. They didn't ask for the participation trophies. They didn't ask to become unpaid interns. They didn't ask for all this college debt. They got saddled with it and they're being blamed for everybody's problems. So uh, I, I think as boomers, we need to be uh, responsible and uh, set a good example by showing them some things. So I'm working on a series uh, there. And also uh, with the diet I mentioned, I'm working on a book for that. But that, you know, that's going to take a little bit of while to get those done. But right now it's the website, robertmanny.com, the novel, The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love, and my podcast, Guys, Guys Radio. Well, beautiful. I like it. Uh, Robert, I want to just really uh, commend you uh, as as the person that you are. I mean, um, uh, you're very vibrant. You're very uh, passionate about what you do. Uh, there's an inherent sense of compassion that you have, and you're showing up. You're taking action. You're, you're creating into form um, uh, processes and, and books and, and pursuing opportunities for being the vehicle of change for for men and and really for humanity as a whole. So I want to thank you for being here on this planet at this time. I'm so delighted (laughs) I live in a world where you exist. Well, listen, that's the nicest thing I think anybody's ever said to me, but I'm sorry, unless I'm already married. But I want to say, you know, it's interesting that, you know, when you go on this type of path and I just said, I'm open, lead me, um, universe. Yeah. And, uh, I've, you know, I come from the world of advertising. It's a cynical, sarcastic, wisecracking business. And initially I'm sure people in my business were thinking, what is he doing him? And now I know they're not saying that anymore. They're saying like, wow, look at that. So, uh, I just want to be a beacon, uh, for others to show what can be. And, uh, also put a lot of information out there to help people make the best choices, whatever works for them because that's all, you know, you create your own life. Bravo. Well, Robert, I want to thank you for being our guest on the show tonight. I've thoroughly enjoyed this episode. All right. Thanks so much, Les. Thanks, everybody. We've been talking with Robert Manny, and the topic tonight has been A Guy's Guy's Guide to Spiritual Seeking, Modern Man's Search for Meaning. Um, Life's a beautiful thing when you can show up for it. I mean, you you, Robert described so wonderfully how he transformed transformed his life by following that that inner knowingness and and showing up for himself. And every single one of us, every single one of us has a, a an idea within our own consciousness, a vision, if you will, a dream, if you will, 
of what our life can be. But if we stay in our ego and if we stay hunkered down in some kind of a endurance test mentality, it's very unlikely it's going to unfold. Life gets rich and full and rewarding when you when you tune in for that inspiration. And then when you follow it with effect, when you follow it with action, that's when the magic starts. Hey, I'm so glad you chose to join us for this episode tonight. I'm your host, Les Jansen. It's been a delight and pleasure spending this time with you. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.